making those moments happen for somebody who would just say like, oh, I'm not a fixer or, oh, no, I couldn't do that to like, oh, maybe I could do that. And look, I fixed my kids' school shoes. And oh, look, grandmother's wedding ring used to fall off her finger all the time. And now it doesn't or whatever it is, all these random little things. It's all about making those moments happen. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering, and I make a monthly podcast for The Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. The repair movement needs inspirational characters, real people who see the value in fixing and who give alternatives to our throwaway economy. We are nominating Jane, inventor and founder of the Moldable Glue Sue Group. In today's episode, we interview Jane and we hear the story of how this fixing material came to be. We also talk about design within a throwaway culture, people's relationship with stuff and the role and growth of the repair movement. We'll share some related clips recorded at one of our community repair events or restart parties and at the end Jane will take us on a tour of Sugru HQ in Hackney, East London My name is Jane Nicole-Quintic and I'm the inventor of Sugru which is moldable glue that's designed for making fixing and making things easy and fun for for all sorts of things and for all sorts of people Right and one of the ways that you've described your job is inventor, founder and fixer in chief (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at Sugru. Can you tell us more about Sugru and how it started? Yeah, so Sugru is a it's a labor of love. It started as a as a project when I was a student studying design at the Royal College of Art with a bit of existential crisis, finding myself in a product design course and realizing that the world doesn't really need more products. My passion has always been making things. I grew up on a farm, so making things for artistic purposes or just for useful, resourceful approaches to things around the house or or on the farm is just a kind of natural way of living in a way. The opportunity to study product design, I guess, gives you a space to reflect on the culture of things and consumer culture, what we have, what we own, how that maybe has changed over time. I was very confused confronted by a kind of a consumer culture that seemed quite empty, causing damage to the planet and seeming like we're not making the best use of our resources. But even more sort of disturbing to me was the instinct that I had of how that is maybe damaging to our human spirit and our spirit of innate creativity and and expression. If we're all consumers and none of us are producing anymore, uh, whatever that means, you know, who are we? <laughs> <laughs> so quite a big existential crisis. How does that link to, uh, you know, an idea for a moldable glue? Well, it meant that I was basically playing around with materials and, and stuff in the lab and trying to, trying to find find my way and I was basically drawn to taking materials apart putting them back together in in different ways and trying to find new combinations of things and one experiment that I did was I was messing around with silicone and I made a silicone mixture which I could mix and mold into any shape and um, I made some balls out of this mixture and and left them on a bench in the carpentry workshop went off for lunch came back and picked them up and they'd gone hard I was like oh these are hard and then whatever made me um, 
take one of those balls and like bounce it on the floor I did that and it was bouncier than any ping pong ball that I'd played with as a kid and I was like this is amazing it looks like wood because I'd made it out of waste uh, dust from the wood workshop along with the silicone so it looked like wood and it, it was really bouncy and, and for some reason I became completely obsessed and intrigued with the material properties of this thing and and I, I searched and searched for what it might be useful for and the aha moment for me was after spending a lot of time I suppose trying to find a single interesting use for it and not succeeding my boyfriend at the time who's my husband and co-founder at Sugru James kind of helped me see that actually I was using all the leftovers of the the prototype material that I'd made to fix things around the house and I'd solved all sorts of problems just without even thinking about it and I'd kind of made a little rim on our kitchen sink plug um, to stop the water draining out and I'd made a knife more comfortable and I'd um, you know fix some mug handles and various things on the lino on the kitchen floor blah 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 um, just like lots of little things around around the house and then it was a moment where he kind of said well what if this isn't really like you know a college project or something that like feels like a sexy new product but what if it it's actually thousands of little mundane moments and what if you're not um, the designer and everyone else is the designer what if every granny and every 10 year old and everyone who encounters a problem instead of just accepting the problem with their product or their home or whatever instead of damn it's broken are thinking how could I fix that and how could I solve the problem like the whole world can kind of morph all the time with uh, adapting and finding solutions I uh, that was like a ping <laughs> moment where I just kind of realized wow I've got something really small here that actually could be really useful to a lot a lot of people and that sort of little little seed took root um, and that's when I just started my mind just exploded and I spent a few weeks just um, filling notebooks with ideas of things that people could do with this if it existed which at that time it was only a, a, a very crude prototype and then um, story went from there so that was that was a, a moment in time oh god like almost 15 years ago now when I was a student and and then I spent several years working with various business partners I had a co-founder in the business Roger Ashby who helped me helped me set up the business and find scientists to work with I, I learned chemistry it's been a, a, a long journey um, right. to creating a product like this and um, and protecting it and and, and building building a business and, and so on. Of course, it's very expensive to develop a new material. So the way that we did that was basically bringing together some amazing specialists. And I spent several years working in a little DIY lab that we set up and working with our local university, which happens to be in the top five materials universities in the country. But, you know, just being right. resourceful and bringing together kind of teams and finding money where we could and um, just working very hard to, to create the technology. You your education was within the arts and you're from a farming background, but now you're working within business and within chemistry and science. How has it been coming from the outside into the into the inside, if you like, of, the, of business? The thing with Sugru is it's all about the idea. And the idea for Sugru is exactly the same as that day in the kitchen when I had that ping moment of like, oh my God, this could make fixing fun and easy for so many people. It stayed exactly the same. And 
And for me, everything else is in the service of that. So whether it is learning science or learning how to build a business or all the million and one things that go into creating a, a business and getting a product out into the world, all of it is a means to an end for those moments for for people to make things and right, fix right. things that's what i find exciting like doing things that haven't been done i'm a diyer and diy is is a, a state of mind you know, it's not something that you just do around the house you can diy science you can diy business you can diy whatever it is and yeah of course as things get more serious and bigger over time you've got to get a bit more like professional and everything but i feel like it's quite an exciting well for me personally i've been excited about learning things and I find it quite empowering to kind of say okay well we can't afford really to like pay experts to do this how would we figure it out ourselves What's your name and why are you here at the restart party today? Uh, my name is Mahendra Roopchan I'm here uh, sort of a continuation of last week because I um, was at a restart in North London and I got in a bit late so um, restarts wasn't able to sort out my phone problem all the way but in the interim I went to a local charity sort of thing and they reset it for me but I've still got an issue with the screen going black quite quickly and just a, little, just a couple of little tiny things, yeah. My name's Jiffa and I came to get my Kindle and my speaker fixed or help me understand what's wrong with them. Hi, my name's Francis, and I'm here partly because I work for the Restart Project and also just to see what the party was about and to learn more about fixing. My name's Com. I'm here primarily to accompany my mum. We went to the one in Hackney a couple of weeks ago and it seemed like quite a nice idea, so I just came here to get a toaster and a mobile phone hopefully looked at and fixed. How important do you think that creativity is for fixing things? I don't know. I do really like fixing things. And I am really creative, so maybe they do come together a bit. I think you have to have like creative solutions a lot of the time, partly because you can't replace parts exactly or you need to kind of think of a new way of trying to solve a problem. I guess very important, basically provided that you have the confidence to fiddle about and yeah, try and fix things. I think it's very important because we can't always get the parts or if you just want to fix in a hurry, then you might not have everything you need to hand. So being creative finding ways around problems, problem solving. I'm Martin Finch, I am a restarter and I'm here to fix stuff. How important is creativity for fixing? That's a good question. I think from my perspective the important thing is to get inside the creator of the device to see how they intended it to work. So it's a reverse creativity in a sense. Yes, you have to use some imagination to take the device apart, but you also need to see what the designer was doing when he invented or she invented that device. When you're at a party, it's almost like, 
what is this Sugri for? What, what's your answer? It's moldable glue. And basically, it's like Play-Doh when you take it out of the pack and you can form it into any shape. Then you leave it and overnight and 24 hours, it turns into a really tough, durable silicone rubber. So what it's really great for is fixing stuff where you don't have another solution. A lot of stuff these days is made of plastic. It's made of combinations of materials. Pieces crack off. If you're just using conventional glue and you don't have all the pieces, it's not going to work. So Sugru is great because it's moldable. You can rebuild pieces. You can add strength. It's flexible. So it's made out of silicone. So you can fix things that need to move. So where a lot of adhesive products will crack and get brittle over time, it's got really good durable properties like temperature resistant, high and low temperatures. So for example, if a piece falls off in your fridge door or part of a printer or a pair of shoes or flexible materials like cables, we see a lot of people fixing laptop chargers, fixing kids' school shoes, hiking boots, even rain jackets, all that sort of stuff. That's the kind of fixy sort of side of things. It's it's just a kind of handy toolbox thing. And we see a lot of people repairing like the interior of cars, you know, motorbikes, all this kind of stuff. And of course, it comes in lots of different colors. Most popular color is black, we have to say, but um, you've got a lot of black stuff. So, you know, most gadgets and cars, all, like the interior plastics and cars and so on, all of that is black. And to be honest, most people use Sugru and blend it in and you can't even see it. But part of the spirit of the product is that it's about proud fixing. So we sell it in 10 colors and people who are kind of loyal fans of Sugru do then tend to kind of use some of the color packs and kind of show off that they've done a fix. So they might have like a bright red fix on their laptop charger and they're like, yeah, you know, I've kept this and I have the same charger for five years or whatever. And it's a little bit of a marker of their kind of mindset and that they're not just consuming and they're a bit more resourceful. Have you heard of Sugru? I have heard of Sugru. I've used it in our repair workshops. It's a good material, especially if you're just starting out at fixing. No, I've not. No, what's that, sorry? It's a moldable glue, so it comes and you sort of shape it into the, the shape you want, and then it hardens. Oh, right, okay, cool. Oh, no, 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 I've, I've never heard of that, but that's, that sounds interesting now. Have you heard of Sugru? No, what's Sugru? Sugri is like a moldable glue. One of the ways I think of it is a bit like um, 3D printing, but like by hand. So you mold it into the right shape. Like that you can use for patching up wires and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's quite nice. I got the, you get a pack with like different colours. Right. Yeah, I've used it, but mm, not that successfully. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have, uh, have you ever used it? I have, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was at another restart session and there was some around and we were invited to take some. And I have used it to reinforce the connections on my in-air headphones, earphones. How do you see the role of Sugru within the broader repair movement where we have like I fix it, the right to repair campaign and community repair groups? Yeah, so I mean, it's so encouraging now that there actually is a repair movement and that like we're able to say that because, you know, I suppose there was various organizations starting a few years ago, like with their 
mission about repair from lots of different perspectives and we've always kind of been friendly with the guys that I fix it and restart and so on but I think in the last year or two it's really kind of come together into a bigger community I would say and a movement that's really encouraging because we all have a different part to play you know clearly I fix it are doing an incredible job in terms of like providing amazing tutorials to a vast scale of people how to fix their phones and laptops and 10,000 other things in their life or whatever and there's more kind of policy and campaigning organizations like Restart and so on. Our job at Sugru really as part of this movement, the way we see it is really it's about people's first moment maybe with repair. A lot of people just don't know that it's possible and things are cheap to replace. That's that's the reality. You know, if you're if your shoes are leaking, you can probably get a new pair and that's that's the reality for a lot of people. But people are starting to feel that that's not the right thing to do and I think at Sugru we have a solution and a, a way into repair that is very very accessible it's about people's first little trials it's about fixing a toy or like I said fixing a pair of trainers or hanging something putting hooks on the side of your monitor so that your headphones have somewhere to go right. they're tiny projects often but they are a way into a way of living that is a bit more resourceful and making use of your creativity and problem solving skills all of us that are partaking in the repair movement we have to play our part and then at the same time we all need to be sharing our experiences and contributing to making the bigger changes you know the solutions for our consumer waste problem they have to be holistic we're talking about circular economy and changing behaviors around how often we consume and what we choose to consume these things are systemic and campaigning for right to repair or campaigning against planned obsolescence these kind of things we all need to play our part but those things are going to take time to make systemic changes so in the meantime we can do small things in our own everyday life to reduce waste and try try fixing things even and Sugru has its own manifesto there's a man manif- we've got them in the room actually there's a written one and you've also got one in stickers which i think is an innovative way of dealing with a, a manifesto can you tell us about that manifesto about five or six years ago we were selling Sugru and people were buying it and loving it and stuff and then we wanted to a way to I suppose start a bigger conversation about what fixing means and how important it is and actually some of the surprising benefits to, to fixing so we made a fixers manifesto and it basically has the things that we believe in so if it's broken fix it if it's not broken improve it things can always be improved and that's one of the joys of Sugru and how people tell us like that they like to use it in terms of like making little tweaks something is dripping and you can make it pour better or add little bumpers on things so that they're not sharp corners and you're not banging into it or whatever it is they're little improvements that you can make and number number five disposability is a choice you know people talk about a throwaway society but each thing that we throw away that's up to us what's it going to take for us to radically change our relationship with stuff for most people this is only really going to change when the financials when the equations change you know like if a kettle is only 9.99 and it's going to cost me more than that in time and products to to fix it i'm just not incentivized to to do it things aren't priced correctly we're not paying the true cost of these items it's not right that a pair of jeans 
can be 4.99. Something is going to have to change in that regard. And I know that some countries are already charging at the at the afterlife, the post-use phase in terms of paying higher charges for recycling, for disposal and so on. This is a whole system like that has to change. It's a whole, whole system. You know, as when we were talking about the repair movement, there's lots of immediate things that we can all do in our own life. But we've all got to be thinking about the bigger answers and making our views known and trying to help in the campaigning to help the legislation deal with some of these things, whether that is the right to repair. You know, so many products now are basically computers. You know, you think about your car, you think about anything that has a a software element to it and whether you consider that repairable or not. The big case in in the US in in the last year or two that's really kind of caught my imagination was the tractors where the farmers in Nebraska brought John Deere to court over not being able to repair their tractors. I mean, this is one of the most essentially repairable things. A farmer in a wheat field could be 100 miles from a service centre for a tractor has to be able able to repair their tractor on the spot the weather might change the next day you know there could be rain whatever it is because of the digitization of of even tractors they were locking out people from being able to to repair and so look i'm basically alluding to just i don't have the answers i just know that there's there's big changes that have to happen that mean new laws new regulations and in the meantime i think things like the single use plastic basically reducing consumer waste in our in our habits in our daily habits is something that is going to make cultural change and behavior change because we will develop new norms and actually quite quickly now because of the media just how quick the adoption of new values and new ideas are spread like that thing with the plastic straws I mean in the space of two or three months it went from like nobody thinking about straws to people being vilified for like having a plastic straw some of this is ridiculous in some ways and then some of it is so encouraging because we care my dad's 95 and I think for people from that generation seeing us not mend these things that they had to mend like make do and mend was like a slogan during the war because we had limited resources and now we have so many resources we've just stopped thinking in those kind of terms and so it's kind of it's new but it's also old this 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 knowledge and, and way of thinking yeah absolutely it's how things used to be it's what used to be normal and i suppose the conditions by which that's going to become normal are for different reasons now and in the future i don't know if you've ever seen the episode of mad men where the drapers go for a picnic it's 1950s america it's like a perfect green field and they have this perfect like tartan blanket whatever they're having a lovely time having all american family picnic Donald Draper stands up and they're they're getting ready to leave and he just picks up the blanket and flaps it and all the litter just falls onto the grass and they just blissfully walk away, fold up the blanket, walk away and get into their beautiful shiny car and the, the litter is just left there in the green field. You know, this is something that our bodies, we have a visceral reaction to that now because we're just like, oh my God, I can't believe people used to do that. Recycling is similar, like, How do you feel when there's no recycling bin and you have to put the Coke can in the black bag? You know, you're 
your your body reacts and you're like this is wrong the time where we are sensing that about repair isn't quite here but it's not far off now you know what do you do when a printer is no longer working it's a big hulk of plastic and you don't have a way to repair it this is starting to become very disturbing to more and more people you know even a pair of shoes I don't feel right about putting a pair of shoes that are wearable in the bin This is our factory. We're standing here just off uh, Well Street in Hackney and been based here for eight years now and we mix Subaru here, we do packing and we have our labs and then of course our offices and creative studio and stuff as well. So yeah, it's quite a diverse sort of set of activities that we do here and uh, I sometimes wonder, like it's all kind of behind closed doors and stuff and sometimes I wonder like... uh, no, nobody knows that we're, we're making Subaru <laughs> and what we're doing here right. secretly. Yeah, what's happening in the secret yeah. factory. Yeah. So this is our warehouse and, and this is where we keep our packaging materials and, and raw materials before before they're, it's turned into Subaru. Um, you know, we try and be pretty organised and, and so on. As we're coming through here now, the, the factory is set up in a, a sequence of different areas. In this room is our compounding room, um, some pretty uh, heavy-duty and specialist mixing equipment and right. a very kind of carefully controlled uh, process yeah. going on in here, um, which is mixing uh, mixing the Subaru. From mixing, then, uh, we move on into the laboratories, and uh, labs have a few functions. We've got quality control function, of course, because every pack of Subaru needs to be exactly the same. Right. Each little small five-gram piece, it's got to work. So uh, we very carefully monitor the consistency and the technical properties of Subaru because people have fun with Subaru, and it's a fun product, but it's... It's a functional product and people rely on it to have the technical qualities that we advertise Um, and they're often doing quite serious stuff with it and it's going into all sorts of applications. They might be hanging things, they might be making robots, they might be sending something into space, whatever it is, like it's got a bloody work. This is our lab. So you can see like, you know, a lot of sort of testing equipment, tensile testers, rheometers, some fume cupboards for um, more of the chemical work. Colourful because Suger is colourful and of course we have lots of samples and, and things around the place. So quality control is one piece and then the second piece is of course product development and we're always trying to improve Suger and make it better for our users in our community so we're very lucky that our community are very vocal and tell us their gripes with uh, <laughs> what it's good for and right, what it's not right. good for <laughs> and that's brilliant because we can respond so in the past we've done things like make the black blacker because uh, people wanted to blend in better and things like that as we've uh, gone on over the years we've got a bit more sophisticated in terms of improving the actual chemical platform behind Subaru and we're working all the time to make that safer for more and more people so we introduced our family safe formula last year which is approved under toy safety uh, regulations which is super important for young people using Subaru something we're very passionate about getting the next generation fixing again so that takes a lot of science basically which a lot of it happens here. Some of it happens with our university partners as well. Right. Um, so we're just moving on into the next area now. And this is the main area of the, the packing part of the factory. And this is really where the Sioux Group gets extruded into the, the mini packs. 
and then coded and so on so they can be traced right through the supply chain and we can guarantee traceability and, and quality control. And then the final step then is to pack it up into the various colour combinations on the card packaging. We've done a new innovation in the last year with our with our outer packaging where we've basically eliminated plastic from the, the packaging. It used to have a bag which was then surrounded by a card and now it's entirely card and um, fully recyclable and and so on which again was another thing that mattered to our community and um, is part of our philosophy of continuous improvement and trying to optimize for less waste right yeah so it gets packed up here and then the last step of course is to box it up and send it out to our customers which are either like retailers or you know online platforms like amazon or direct to our other warehouses for fulfilling our sales on suguru.com Does the repair movement need celebrities? Um, well, I mean, what does celebrity mean um, these yeah. days, isn't it? You know, like what we found with Suguru, there is definitely people who can influence more people in terms of like they're really good at like telling stories or you know making something that wasn't previously attractive seem attractive or whatever we've had some great moments in the in the life of Sugru where we've had people like Kevin McLeod or you know geez like he's a fairly traditional person in that like he's on on TV but there's people on on Instagram whatever that might have like a half a million followers and they start using Sugru and certainly that has really helped our cause a lot over the years but I would also say that like people are more and more cynical as well about celebs and especially people that are paid to say things about products and I think authenticity is something that is becoming more and more rare actually in our world so we find that actually like user stories from people who are unknown are really appealing and really powerful because they're real if repair is something that people feel like oh I don't repair I've never repaired something but then I hear stories about somebody who also wasn't fixer but now fixed a toy or now did something to repair their boat or whatever it is that makes something very accessible and especially those real life stories where there's a bigger story to it like we've had amazing people in our community who've used Sugru to help family members or themselves or whatever living with disability and often those things where there is like a bigger benefit to the fix where it's not just about saving something from landfill but it's actually about making something easier to use or there was a dad that sent us a story of a little girl who was in a wheelchair and she was just too weak to be able to push the the button on the chairlift coming in and out of their house because their house had steps up to it and he just adapted the button so that it was it was a bit like a scissors so she was able to pull the button instead of pushing it and it meant she was able to go in and out of her house and you know for a seven year old that's incredible and that's such a humble little thing that that dad was able to do um, to adapt a switch you know so it's those stories for for me it's like sometimes it's about the the people and sometimes it's about the story but I would say that like we all love to to hear stories from 
people that inspire us. And I was reading the other day in the newspaper about this woman in Brighton, a woman called Kat Fletcher, who's been appointed the, the first reuse manager in, in the council down in Brighton. Previous uh, guest on the podcast. You know, I love hearing about that stuff because you've got to have pioneers and people who are going out into uncharted territory and changing the world. And, and we all love to hear about that. So I don't know what celebs mean, but we definitely need people to inspire us. In today's episode, we've learnt from the power of ideas and have been inspired by Jane's story and the tenacity that brought Sugru into existence. We have reflected on the emergence of the repair movement and how it has been formed by ideas, both old and new. These ideas are often simple, like caring for stuff, making things last longer and having fun when you hack and fix. Unfortunately, though... It isn't all as simple as that. While we embrace this repair culture, we still have to recognise the importance of systemic change. To achieve that will take time and collective efforts by activists repairing in their communities. It will take forward-thinking companies like Sugru and, perhaps most importantly, it will take legislators forcing manufacturers to make products easier to repair. So much to think about from today's episode. A lot of work to be done. But there's a lot of hope, too. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at therestartproject.org. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. Big thanks to Restart's communications assistant, Isabel, who did the research and planning for this episode. It's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.